Are you ready, Ma? Howdy again, partner. Well, looky there. Looky there, looky there, little lady. Welcome to Gone with the Bushes. This week, we are taking you to, I think it's our first time to go here. Arizona. I thought we were were in Texas. We were in Tucson, Arizona. Well, no, that's where they shot it. Nerd alert. That's where they shot it. I believe that Rio Bravo takes place in Presidio, Texas. Oh, Presidio County, Texas. I looked up setting of Rio Bravo and they told me Tucson. See, you can't trust that internet. Who ever heard of the internet? Well, John Wayne. How many pounds of poop did he die in? 15 pounds of poop. (laughs) You know what? John Wayne was full of shit. (laughs) You know... I believe it's already been established in the Gone with the Bushes canon that we are not a podcast that is a fan of John Wayne. But I decided that I was going to set that aside when watching this film. I was going to put aside my personal, I don't give a fuck about John Wayne. And I was just going to watch the movie. Okay. I was really I wanted to understand and try to see what's the big deal. Yeah. So, and do you understand? Oh, kind of. Okay. But it it's taking a lot of work on my part. Yeah, it's a lot of work to Okay, we'll discuss a yeah. lot of this as the as the movie unfolds. But there's always people that you're gonna that you know, they're the stars who who span the test of time. You just look at them and you know, you know what? Yeah, they got something like Humphrey Bogart. I was like, yeah. you look at a picture of him, you're like, this guy was the yeah. biggest thing, and then you watch a movie and you're like, oh, oh I okay. get it. Yeah. And then there's some people who they're like, really. Yeah, shake my head a touch. Huh. Well, let me try to understand it. That's the Mm. same way. This is a really hot take. The same way I feel about Drake. I had to to go in and do a Drake investigation because, you know, he's huge. And I'm like, I had to go and just while I was washing my car one day, just listen to a whole bunch of Drake to try to figure it out. And your conclusion? Uh, I, I kind of figured it out. He, he's, I mean, do you, <laughs> are you going to share? Well, are you going to leave us hanging? He, he's like, he's a rapper. He's good looking. He, he makes, um, he has good beats, you know, good rhymes. It, it, it's pleasant to the ear and the girls really like him because he's sensitive and that, and then he, the boys, like sensitive boys like him. He's not, he's not huge, although it is funny because he, he is dexterous enough in his lyrics and his rapping style that even the people who are harder are like, yeah, he, he's pretty good. But then there's always the people who are like, he's not real hip hop, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, he's, he's like Lenny Kravitz. He's half Jewish, half black. Yes. He doesn't have Lenny Kravitz. Kravitz. Kravitz's edge. 
Well, I would say that he does, but in a different way, in okay. the hip hop way, whereas Lenny Kravitz okay. is more in the rock way. Okay. Yes, I guess he, so. Oh my gosh, he yeah, he's he's a bigger. Well, hip hop is bigger now than rock, so therefore right. that's why Drake is big. But yeah, Maya, you nailed it, man. Yeah, you yeah. could have you could have saved me so much time. You didn't come to me. You didn't come to me with this dilemma. Ah, oy vey. I will say I was watching a rerun of Saturday Night Live when he was host, and he was pretty funny. Yeah, he he's, he's very affable and makes good music, has surrounded himself with good people, and has mm-hmm. really built up this whole kind of aura that I just had to say, well, what is going Let me investigate here. Two of my teacher friends who are younger than I, but uh, older than you by a decade uh, and more, went to a concert and somebody said to him, oh, it's so nice of you to bring your kids. They hadn't taken their kids. (laughs) Good for them. Yes. Live that life. That's right. All right. Okay, well... Back to our movie that is taking place in Texas but is being filmed in Arizona. The movie this week is Rio Rio Bravo. Bravo. Due to High Noon last week and um, the controversy of of John Wayne thinking that it wasn't wasn't good... uh, John Wayne saying, this ain't shit, and it's un-American. Un-American. And so we did it to compare and contrast. So let me, let me intro. There's a showdown at Rio Bravo when <laughs> courageous Sheriff John T. Chance, you heard that, didn't you? Rio Bravo. <laughs> John T. Chance throws the brother of evil cattle baron Nathaniel Burdett in jail for murder. That's what's going down at Rio Bravo. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Now it's always going to be Rio Bravo. (laughs) Particulars, please. All right. Well, you might have heard the rustling of the paper. That was because I almost read you the particulars to high noon. (laughs) And I'm like, hi, nude. Oh, where am I? Where's my sheet? Rio Bravo, 1959. (laughs) It was released on March 18th, 1959. I was seven years old. It was directed by Howard Hawks. He did His Girl Friday, The Big Sleep, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, To Have and Have Not, Bringing Up Baby, Red River, Scarface, Hadatari. So wow. we've done quite a few Howard Hawks already. And he, it sounds like we'll do do a few more. Yeah, we because we haven't done Bringing Up Baby yet. We or have to have and have not. We have not. Uh, it was also produced by him. The screenplay is by Jules Firthman, who also did the 1935 Mutiny on the Bounty, Only Angels Have Wings, To Have and Have Not, and The Big Sleep. We haven't done the big sleep either. We did the big sleep, Ma. Oh, my God. Howard Hawks directed it. I, I probably forgot to say it. Ma, remember with Lauren Bacall? 
and oh, oh, and there's yes, the yes. murder that nobody knows who killed the guy. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, I just need reminders now and then. Right, and Lee Brackett also worked. She worked on the Big Sleep, the Long Goodbye. She, she. Remember, she's the queen of the space opera. Because we've been through her stuff, you know, with the Big yes. Sleep, which we did. But here's a nerd alert that I don't think that I said on the Big Sleep podcast. If you said it, I'm not going to remember it, so go ahead. I'm not either. She worked on the screenplay for The Empire Strikes Back. Yes! George Lucas asked her to write a screenplay, and she had never written a full-length science fiction screenplay, so she worked on it, and she turned it into him shortly before her death from cancer. And then Lucas kind of rejected the script. I mean, rejected is a strong phrase, but that's sort of the parlance of the industry. And then Lucas did two rewrites, and then he gave it to Lawrence Kasdan, who had just finished writing Raiders of the Lost Ark. And Kasdan and Brackett received screenplay credit. Um, George Lucas gave her screenplay credit as a tribute because he also he asked her to do it, but then also, a lot of her story contains the same beats that's in Empire. It was just things yeah. were changed and stuff. Right, they kept some some of her stuff in mm-hmm. it, and it's based on the short story Rio Bravo by B. H. McCampbell. Now, this caused me quite the tizzy in the lobby of the old Mazda dealership this morning. <laughs> Because there was no hyperlink to this short story. And I was like, who the hell is B.H. McCampbell? And what is it? Because it just said based on Rio Bravo. It didn't even say anything about a short story or anything. So Mm. nerd alert. It turns out B.H. Campbell is Howard Hawk's daughter, oldest daughter, Barbara. And McCampbell is her married name. And she was Uh the one that kind of came up with this idea the outline so the outline for the story yeah which is the outline for every western that you've ever seen yeah basically i mean i have more nerd alerts about it the story later okay okay but i was just like oh bh mccampbell was just his daughter why and then i wondered well why didn't he give her credit or did she not want credit or did he not want it to seem like nepotism? I don't know. Just we don't know. Out. And I don't think we're going to find out because I think they're all dead. Okay, yeah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I mean, his daughter might not be. Jeez. Music mm-hmm. by Dimitri Tim- Timokin. God. Who we've heard before. And every time I butcher this man's name. He also did High Noon, like basically almost all of the Frank Capra films, and Gunfight at the OK Corral. And the director of photography was Russell Harland. He won an Oscar for Hadatari and also for To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm -hmm. He also shot Red River, Witness for the Prosecution, Blackboard Jungle, just to name a few. Edited by Fulmar. Bangstead. Mm-hmm. I was like, that sounds like a fake name. 
But no, he got an Oscar nomination for Summer of 42. He also edited the 1954 A Star is Born and ah, Flamingo yeah. Road and Camelot. Camelot. Mm-hmm. And all right, that brings us to starring. So it stars John Wayne as. I have to say something right here. Okay. Because evidently when the credits came on, I was writing. I saw John Wayne. I looked down to do some writing and I looked up and it wasn't until the movie had started. And I went, is that Dean Martin? Because he looked a little bit like him, but he sounded just like him. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, why didn't you wait for the Dean Martin part? I thought it was coming. I know, I have to go through all his movies. Oh, I'm sorry. 99 episodes we've been doing. But, but are we... Re- okay. Not all ahead. of them, but like Stagecoach, Red River, Fort Apache, She Wore a Yellow oh, Ribbon, God. Quiet Man, Rio Grande, The Longest Day, which was our first John Wayne film, and True yeah. Grit, just to name a few. This, that dude was in a bunch of movies. Yeah, he was. Also, he was 52 at the time of this movie. Maybe 51. Okay. Depend, probably 51 then, depend because it came out in March. So it was probably yeah, 51. I have 51 written down. Now we have Dean Martin. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. I knew that Dean Martin was in this movie. And when it was the first, he's the first character that you see. I didn't think it was Dean Martin. It wasn't until like a good five minutes later, I was like, oh, shit, that's Dean Martin. I wrote down Dean Martin question mark and I had to go back and look at the credits. I had one. I know that voice. I put one down under the POC count for a Mexican. (laughs) And then I realized like, okay, for the POC count, we're going to go by just speaking parts because there's a lot of colorful faces in the background for this. There are. So I was just like, let's just do it, the speaking part. And then I was like, oh, shit, that's Dean Martin. I had to scratch out the one. Yeah, you did. Okay. He's the dude. He's 41 when this is filmed. He was in Young Lions, Ocean's Eleven, the original, Robin and the Seven Hoods, Airport, Cannonball Run, one and two, Nerd Alert. He was most famous at this point. For being a part, of the comedy partner of Jerry Lewis. It was he was uh-huh. Martin and Lewis from yeah. 1946 to 1956. That didn't end well. And then he, but while that those ten years, he they were the top of it. Like they were they super were. famous. And then he was in the Rat Pack, and so he was he famous was in the for Rat that. Pack. And then from 1965 to 1974, the Dean Martin Show. Nerd alert. Mm-hmm. A girl I went to high school with, actually a friend of mine, elementary and high school, was on the Dean Martin show. She was one of the dancers, the, one of the girls, one of the young girls that always surrounded him. Oh, wow. I wonder mm-hmm. if she has a Me Too story. I'm yeah. sure she does, but I, I don't know that she would tell it, but I'm sure. Well, he was from Steubenville, Ohio. Who's from Steubenville? Dean Martin. That's where he was born. Huh. Do you know where that is? I've heard of Steubenville. Oh. I mean, you're in Ohio. You've heard of most of the towns in Ohio. There's not a lot else to talk about. <laughs> <Is that> the- 
<laughs> you guys just sit around going Akron. Yeah. There was there, there was a place called Morrow, and so people would go, "Are you going tomorrow? Where? Where? Tomorrow? Uh, oh wow! Now, I know when, but where? Tomorrow? There went your afternoon, huh? Yeah, that was the whole <laughs> afternoon. And we have as a nineteen, I guess. I guess he was eighteen at the time of this filming. That's what my nerd alert said. Not nerd alert, but tasty nugget said. Ricky Nelson as Colorado. Ricky, Ricky freaking Nelson, who was heartthrob city, Harriet, Ozzy and Harriet. Okay, so let me explain to everyone because people are not gonna know who. Well, a lot of people aren't going to know who Ricky Nelson was and appreciate how like famous this guy was right now. He was in The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet, which started out as a radio program and then was a sitcom from 1952 to 1966. And it was starring... I watched it probably his, all of those years. It was, star, it was a real family. That was his real mom and dad. It was a real family. But it was a it was reality. T- it was scripted reality TV. Mm, there you go. He nerd alert. So in 1958, he had a song "Poor Little Fool," and that was off of his number one album, "Ricky." And that song was the very first number one on the newly created Billboard Hot 100 chart. Damn! Because at the end of every Ozzy and Harriet, which was a sitcom. And his brother David was on it. Um, there would he would sing a song, play the guitar, and sing a song. Um, I'll sort of like uh, American Bandstand with the girls around for him to sing to. He was quite the heartthrob. Oh yeah! And then in '72, he had a big song, "Garden Party." Yes, going to a garden party. And you still hear that sometimes, or you hear samples of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then his sons, I forgot to write it down, but his sons were Nelson that did that song in the early 90s. It was it was huge. It was like a love song. And it was a cappella, remember? Oh, my gosh. Some I know. I hear you yelling. I hear you, listener, just yelling in your head what the name yeah. of the song is. Probably Megan. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yes, I I can hear it Frank, Frank, fade in my head. Good job, you. Yeah, well, be sure and let us know what that song was. You don't need to because I know what it is. It's but just, it's, it's defragmented in my mind right now. Okay, okay. Um, cause they had, I can picture the music video. They had long hair, both had long hair and that was it. That's all they, they did. Right. Yeah. But the, I mean, they, they've, I think they, I don't know. Have we gotten to his death yet? No, he was in movies. Here come the Nelsons and then the story of three lovers. I didn't cover his death. He died in the airplane crash in 1980. Right. 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 I was just off the dome. He, uh, yeah, he got into um, illegal substances and such. Well, I mean, he's a teen heartthrob. Yeah. Yeah. He did have beautiful eyes. He did. Beautiful eyes? He was a beautiful young man in this. Yeah, he was. This was not a John Wayne type situation. I was like, yeah, 
You're damn right Ricky Nelson's yeah. a heartthrob. Yeah. Hey, Angie Dickinson. A little closer to your age. Yeah, you know what I mean? Angie <laughs> Dickinson, 28, played Feathers. She was also in the original Ocean's Eleven, The Killers, even Cowgirls Get the Blues. And she's probably most famous known because she was a big time TV actress. That was the interesting nerd alert. That was the interesting thing about Rio Bravo is you had John Wayne, who's a movie star. And you had Dean Martin, Ricky Nelson and Angie Dickinson and Walter Brennan, which we'll get to, who are all TV stars. Yes. And it isn't like it is now where, you know, big stars are starting to do TV. This is I mean, up until very recently, there was a very strict divide. Oh, you were a TV was. star, and the movie stars looked down upon TV stars. Oh, yeah. You know, that was the order. You're a movie yep. star. You are a movie star, top of the mountain. And TV stars all want to make the big jump. That's why George, it was so crazy when George Clooney became such a huge movie star. Because it's really hard to make that jump. Mm-hmm. So and, and so Angie Dickinson, her... She was in a bunch of TV, and then later on, she from 1974 to 1978, she was in a television show called Police Woman. Police Woman. Mm-hmm. She was badass, too. <laughs> that would be funny to, to see those episodes now. It would and be. And compare them. I remember her helmet hair. She had <laughs> helmet hair. I liked Angie Dickinson. I was like, I, I remember always hearing the name. I could never put a face with the name. I just know that it's a famous name. And I was like, Angie Dickinson, it's really too bad that they didn't give you more to do in this. Yeah. How charming. Her voice was one of my positive reheatables. She had a great voice. Her speaking voice was just, yeah. Okay. Walter Brennan as Stampy, or I'm sorry, Stumpy. This guy... He won three Academy Awards for Best Supporting Actor. He won for Come and Get It, Kentucky, and The Westerner. He was also in Meet John Doe, To Have and Have Not, and like so many other movies. It was but he crazy. was in he was in he was grandpa in what TV show? I don't know because I only looked at his films and his film list was incredible. Oh. I didn't even look at the TV. The Real McCoys. He was grandpa ah, in The Real McCoys. Yes, it was The Real McCoys. Yeah. Where he had that same limp. Yeah, I don't know what The Real McCoys were. It was a TV show. Oh. Uh, Ward Bond as Pat Wheeler. You may remember him from Burt in It's a Wonderful Life. He was also in The Searchers and 23 other John Wayne films. And he was the wagon master in Wagon Train, another TV show. Yeah, I I don't. I'm just like that. Yeah, okay. I loved Wagon Train. What was the difference between Wagon Train and Bonanza? Okay, so Wagon Train. A Wagon Train was uh, a a leader taking a... uh, a convoy of wagons out west. Yeah, they're like the settlers. Right. Right. The settlers, you know, Ann Coulter comes from the settlers. Um so so that was always they were always moving on. They were and then they would get in Indian territory and it would be a whole problem, you know. Yeah. Um but Bonanza was set in uh, at the at the Ponderosa there their um, oh, it was a ranch plantation of 
of the West. Yeah, a I think, ranch. I think that <laughs> I think that ranch. I think that Western ranch owners prefer ranch to plantation. I think they do too, and I've never they heard did of not have. Go. They did have people of color working for them, but it was a Chinese cook, Hop Singh. Ah was their person of color and everything was based around that it was a western but the uh two very different premises yes and then we have pedro gonzalez gonzalez as yeah. carlos he was yeah. also uh in the love bug support your local gunfighter mm. and there there goes the bride he was in many of john wayne's films and mm. Estelita Rodriguez as Consuelo. She mm -hmm. was Cuban, actually. Ah, good to know. Pedro Gonzalez Gonzalez is Mexican. Yes. Both of his parents were last name Gonzalez. So you could have been Liz Weber Weber. Yeah. So that, that was an interesting tidbit. Um, Estelita Rodriguez was in many westerns with Roy Rogers. Um, three of her movies are The Gray Ranchero, California Passage, Tropic Zone. She died from the flu at age 37, and this is her second to last film role. Well, and they didn't use her well enough. <sighs> I know. I we'll hope there was a later. lot more she could have done. All right. be the Hispanic sidekick, but so moving on. There are the particulars. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. Well, it is time to set the table. So as the um, credits are rolling, we have a convoy of wagons because I believe uh, dude, wagon train dude, had a wagon, like it was a wagon train, wasn't it? Well, he we can't, you got to be careful saying dude because dude is a character name in this. <laughs> yes, it's so funny because I started writing dude and then I went, yay, perfect, finally. It's the um, guy that played the Wal Ward Barn, Pat Wheeler. So he's yeah. got a, he's got a stagecoach. Yeah. Wagon train. So, That's how you would get around. And he had supplies. I think he was delivering supplies and stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, probably when they were building the railroad because he had a lot of dynamite. Mm -hmm. And um, so that we don't know that at the beginning, but we see all these wagons and men on horses coming through this um, path in Texas, Arizona. And then we see <laughs> a bar and I wrote down Scruffy Dude Enters. Now, Scruffy Dude happens to be Dude, dude. in this played by Dean Martin, and he is scruffy, and all he wants is a drink. He wants oh. a drink bad. Yeah, and then there's this this uh, dick who oh, sees yeah. him. He has a bottle of, I'm guessing it's whiskey because it's dark, and he's pouring yes. himself, and the dude gets, like, he's salivating. He's he wiping his chin, and... And then the dick looks and sees that he is. And so then he's just like messing with him, takes out a silver dollar. And he was like, oh, you want it? So that he can buy himself something to drink. And he flicks it into the spittoon. Spittoon. Oh. Now, not everybody knows what a spittoon is. So they're out in the West. They oh, would put God. the tobacco in their mouth. And then they would 
spit it, but they were they was like a spit like a nice, you know, it was um, actually pretty good for the environment. Yeah, a brass. Well, inside they'd just spit it outside, but inside they'd have a brass container where your spit went. I mm -hmm. I can't even. She can't even. My so hands are up with the can't even. The but, the yeah. silver dollar is in the spittoon, and it's how bad do you want this drink time? And he started to go after. Apparently, it. he wanted it pretty bad. At he didn't want she, it. He needed it. Yeah, John Wayne steps on his hand so he can't get it. And the look of disgust on John Wayne's face. I'm yeah. like, at this point, I'm like, God damn it. I'm going to have to work real hard to put on my I like John Wayne hat. Because just the, cause the first time that we see John Wayne in this movie is just him. The camera is down looking up at John Wayne. And it's just the look of disgust. He He just looks like the man to me. Yeah. Although I have a look of disgust on my face right now. Okay, so this dick, as opposed to dude, goes out and he just shoots somebody in the stomach. Well. I mean, there's something that ensues, but, you know. Yeah, we'll get, it's yeah. Western. It's it, Western. It may or may not occur on my reheatables. And so uh, so John Wayne goes out and, and puts him in jail because he just murdered somebody. Yeah. Oh, nerd alert. The guy that he shot is Bing Russell, who is the father, father of, of Kurt Russell. Yeah, I didn't know that either. He had an uncredited role. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, before he shoots, is it before he shoots the dude or after that he's past, uh, he's walking past women and turning them around to judge whether they're worthy of his attention or not? Who was doing that? The um the brother Joe, Joe oh the shoots, dick yeah the dick oh so John Wayne says you're under arrest, at which point uh, Scruffy comes in to help. Scruffy is uh, Dean Martin at this point. Mm. Help drag Joe to jail. Okay, next day. Um, Dean Martin, who goes by Dude is uh has well a he has a he has a nickname i for, i forgot to wrote it write it down i have it somewhere it's coming baltron or something which means big drunk in spanish right right and he has a badge on because uh john wayne has now deputized him but he has the dt's bad what's the dt's bad. that's when you're coming off of alcohol oh the withdrawal Mm -hmm. he got, he's got the shakes at this point Mr. Wheeler the wagon train guy comes into town with I said with a wagon train but actually it's um, it's a stagecoach like stagecoach right and then they also have a wagon full of dynamite well yeah supplies and stuff and um, Dean Martin is stopping them from coming into town because there is the funeral procession of the of the guy shot in the stomach Kurt and Russell's so he dad. stops him okay so at this point we meet colorado Ooh. colorado is ricky nelson what a nice head of hair he had i was yes. swoony over i was like i had to check and see how old is he in this all right he was 19 he was legal um but i did feel like he was in over his head just a touch 
in the acting category. But we'll we'll talk about it later. I don't know. I I guess because I knew that he was such a big heartthrob and this is his first movie that I knew I wasn't taking this to be, oh, Ricky Nelson, what a big actor. Uh, like I, yeah. I knew what his role in this was. Right. We're not talking su yeah. best supporting actor. Um, and uh, so the sheriff is saying he can't do anything because of Joe's. I said, Dad, it was actually his big brother. Has the town sewn up tight? So they have to wait for somebody to come in to. They have to wait for the marshal to come in. Marshal to come in. Which would make it Texas. Wah, wah. Wouldn't it? Isn't that the no? Name? That would be a Texas Ranger. Oh, oh! I'm right about something. Okay, cause my cousin was a Texas Ranger. Actually, talked with Mr. Kennedy the day before he got killed. We're gonna move on. Huh? How? What a coincidence! Sounds like he may have been involved in the conspiracy. No, he wasn't involved in the conspiracy because he was actually, um, President Kennedy came over to shake his hand because of how well all of the horses were doing. And he was in charge of the Texas Marshals at that point or something. And there's a picture of him shaking Sonny's hand saying, good job with the horses. And that was going to be on the front page of the paper the next day. But on the front page of the paper the next day was that he was no longer with us. Mm, but we do have that picture, and it is pretty cool. We do have that picture. Um, when Poppy and I lived in Texas, we were told very nicely that it would be best if we didn't come visit those cousins. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Whenever I would look at that picture, I'm like, that's pretty cool, but I do not think he would approve of my existence. <laughs> so, so we, we never went to Dallas to visit them and so, so then there's that, there's that. <laughs> there's that. Yeah. but a member of my family shook President Kennedy's hand so. I, I like it I look at it and I'm like <laughs> look and at guess me. what you get to inherit that picture uh -huh. look who has your picture now that's right wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I tainted your whole lineage <laughs> okay there is a lot of banter in the sheriff's office because dean martin has this uh a funny carefree kind of vibe going on even though he's really <laughs> got the shakes from the lack of alcohol it's he's just he's trying to put on a brave face yeah i didn't write it all down no you don't need to but at this point i'm like man I really like Dean Martin. I know he was, he, yeah. I'm sure he made to way, yeah, way too many I'm, people. I'm sure that, that there, there are skeletons in his closet, but I just, I just want to believe that he was, you know, not all, that he was somebody that I could, that he, that he didn't do anything horrendous enough that I would like be like, ah, I can't like Dean Martin anymore. I, and that's a pretty okay. high bar for me. I'm not one of those people that go around canceling everyone. I'm going to say, I feel like anybody that, okay, no, I'm not going to say that because it would have come out all wrong. <laughs> but he had such a, um, 
he made fun of himself as much as he he was sarcastic and uh, he was totally our sense of humor. Yeah, I just uh, whenever I hear it, like his singing and his crooning and just having a like the you know his glass and his Rat Pack niche, mm -hmm. I just I I like him. He reminds me of George Clooney. Yeah, George Clooney. If George Clooney could sing. Yeah, and we heard him in. Oh, brother, we're out there. Okay, moving back to our sh our movie. The sheriff only has Stumpy. Now, Stumpy is a foresaid, the real McCoy's dude. Mm -hmm. Old dude, doesn't have his teeth, has this big limp. And um, the newly deputized dude, those are the only people in the sheriff's corner. Mm -hmm. So he's got an old dude and he's got a dude dude who is coming out of his alcoholic stupor. And the sheriff, that's all he's got on his side. Everybody else in the town goes with um, uh, the the ranch oh, guy. The Nathan Burdett. Yeah. Burdett, the cattle baron. Okay? Yeah. I mean, Nathan Burdett, they, the Burdettes have their own saloon in yeah, Rio Bravo. Yeah, you know, like they own the, they own a good part of the town probably owns the town. So right. It's not exactly. like the people are on his side. They're like, yeah, yeah. His brother shot a dude in cold blood. He should, you know, probably, uh, hang for that, but he's the rich guy. He's the brother right. of the rich guy. And it's like, right. well, do you like living here in this dust bowl of a town where I control everything? If you're the answer is yes to that question, then you need to be on my side. Yeah, and uh, that's why they have to have the marshal come in and deal with Joe uh, killing, uh, murdering someone. So the sheriff goes to the hotel, and he meets Carlo and Consuelo. Carlos. And Carlos. And delivers a package, which are red bloomers. Yes. Hilarity because of Carlos. and his Has bought for Consuelo. Now, Consuelo from the look of the bloomers can get in her whole body can go in one leg of the bloomers. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, that's when Angie Dickinson arrives and, um, this, the reason that she's staying overnight is because the stage coach can't leave. I don't remember the reason. MacGuffin, MacGuffin, MacGuffin. Okay. So, because she has to stay because she has to become a love interest of John Wayne. Yeah, she has to she has to fall in love with John Wayne, which that's probably the toughest part of this movie. Is really? like really Angie Dickinson. I know it's the old west. They didn't have any sort of shiny metal objects that you could look in the mirror and be like, "Wow, I look like this," and yeah. then look at him and be like, "I could do better." Or even Dean Martin. That's hey, what I'm saying. She's 22. Why not Ricky Nelson? <laughs> I would be I would be looking at Ricky Nelson, and if I felt bad that he was that much younger than I, which was only what she was 20. She says she's 22 years? in this. Like her character yeah. is 22. I don't know how old Ricky Nelson's character is supposed to be, but it's the old West. Yeah, like three years. She never yeah. even gives him a, the once over. She has to, and and then if you don't look at him, you go, you know, Dean Martin. I could I could dry Dean Martin out, and he's got a great sense of humor. I could save him. 
Okay, okay, it's nighttime. And dude is sweating because he wants a drink. And they're all in the jailhouse. And they know that Joe's brother wants to break him out. And so um, uh, Sheriff goes, hey, dude, let's go, you know, do our nightly walk through the town. And there's banter. And they're looking over the town. I see three sleeping people of Hispanic heritage. Well, I didn't count any of the background people because... I tried to. I I was just I when it comes to this where like they ha they're in the background, then I'm like, well, what are they saying and who are they? And then that's what I count. Yeah, they were just okay. So the wind picks up, some uh, tumbleweed tumbles down. It's to give you the sense that something is looming. Ooh, bad's coming this way. But there it was there's it was no suspense though. There that's why it's so interesting that this is a a rebuke or their what is it? Their answer to high noon? Yeah. Cuz high noon was suspenseful. It just was like, all right, so we we got to type type there's a bad guy he's coming in, we got to prepare. And this is just rambling it's you know what it is really and somebody i'll get to it later and give them credit in my notes but they i i was on the same wavelength as them and i'm like oh good i'm not crazy this it was like a hangout it's hey you want to hang out just let's just we're just gonna hang out with these characters it's 1959 we're just gonna hang out hmm. okay that's what i felt like it was yeah Okay, well, back at the hotel, Mr. Pat Wheeler is playing poker with Angie Dickinson, known as Feathers. That's the only name she gets because she had like a feather boa. And Ricky Nelson. And why not? Oh, so Mr. Pat Wheeler, who again was having the stagecoach, says, why not um, pick some new deputies? And, and John Wayne is like, oh, I'm just giving him, giving that, uh, I'd just be giving the Burdettes more targets to shoot at. <laughs> so then we hear the story of Dude, uh, Dean Martin, and a girl came into town and he fell bada bada boom for her. <laughs> and then he followed her out of town, even though uh, John Wayne told him not to. He said that girl's then, no good. And then he came back into town without the girl. Bora Chun. Bora Chun. Bora Chun. Chun. Okay, that's what they called him because he'd been drinking for two years. He's just a drunk. And so Pat Wheeler goes, you need Colorado to help you against the Burdettes. He's a really good shot. I mean, he's young, he's green, but he's really good. Um, and... Uh, so they call him over and Ricky Nelson goes, I'm better at minding my own business, which was a pretty smart move. Mm -hmm. Really? He, I, I hey, got no dog in this fight. Like, I don't know what situation that you are bringing me into. Okay. I don't know what the lay of the land is. I just got here. I don't know who's who, who I can trust. This dude looks old and I bet he has probably at this point, 30 pounds of poop inside him. So... <laughs> I'm going to lay back in the cut and get a good perspective here. Yeah, exactly. Okay, at this point, um, Angie Dickinson goes upstairs and the sheriff follows her. 
And because he saw the deck that they're playing cards with and saw that they were three aces short. So he thinks that she, because she was winning, that she uh, had the aces up her sleeve. Well, and so- also there's a, a wanted poster or a bulletin. I forget what it is that they call it. A handbill. Yeah, a handbill that says, be on the lookout for this gambler, and he's going with a female uh, accomplice, and the female accomplice basically... <laughs> it it's funny because the description has like one it, it's that she's female she's young and i think that she has brown hair and that it's that then the other one is that she likes feathers she likes feathers <laughs> it's like oh okay because that's a good description but feathers happen to fit all of those things yeah so they have they have their uh banter banter and he's going give me the show me the card she's going you have to find the cards you have to find them yourself at this point um colorado shows up and she says she doesn't have the cards and colorado's going no it's the man in the checkered vest downstairs oh yeah because i did i didn't put this on my best reheatable but i did like this part because at the beginning when he meets colorado he's you know colorado's the young the young guy. So you always think like the young hot shot that they're hot headed and stuff. And so John Wayne's character chance, um, I don't know. He says something and Colorado says, I won't go looking for trouble without telling you first. So that's why Colorado goes up to the room. Cause he says, Oh, you think she has the cards? I'm pretty sure that this guy in this checkered vest has the cards. And, and so then John Wayne's like, well, are you sure? Why, you know, how do you know? And he's like, I told you that I wouldn't start any trouble without telling you first. And I'm like, ah, oh, that Ricky Nelson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so then he has to cut. He doesn't apologize to her, but he kind of backtracks a little bit. So then we're looking out a window and somebody just shoots Wheeler in the street. Shoots him dead. <laughs> he gets assassinated. <laughs> Shots come from the stable. So it's Colorado and it is Colorado, right? Colorado and the sheriff that bust into the stable? No. Or it, is it dude? It's a dude. Okay, okay. So Oh sh- yeah, go ahead. The shooter runs out, dude misses him, and um so No dude dude clips him. He could come. So this is dude. Oh, yeah, this is dude's whole, whole redemptive thing because he, you know he had been a drunk, and so now he's sober. And the guy that shot Wheeler, he run like they they don't know where he goes. He goes into a barn and he gets out the back door. And then dude sees him and he could only have gone into the saloon. Dude is yes. sure of it. Yes. And he stepped in a puddle. So he's like the guy's gonna have a muddy boot. He's like, I know he went in there, and he's still in there because I can see both of the doors. So, you know, Chance has to, John Wayne's character has to, he's like, all right, like, I I trust you. And it's kind of interesting because it's, okay, is dude back? Is he the deputy? Is he up? Does Can John Wayne's Chance trust him? Right. And so they go into the, the saloon. And it was interesting because before they go in, because John Wayne says that he's going to go in, but then there's there's two doors, the front door and the back door. 
And dude, since he's been a drunk, has only been allowed to go into the back door. And so he kind of, it's decided that he should go into the front door. And John Wayne's going to go into the back door because he's a deputy now and he's sober. So he goes in, and of course, everybody's kind of like making fun of him. A guy gets a silver dollar out, and again, from across the room, flicks it into the spittoon. These guys and their aim, amazing. Because there's no, none of them have muddy boots. So so obviously he messed up again. Mm-hmm. And, and But then he sees blood on a glass, so he knows that the shooter is in there. And the blood can only be coming from above, and so he's able to shoot him, and he redeems himself. Right. And John Wayne's like, well, you're back, my guy. And I bet you that they're going to let you come through the front door from now on. And I'm like, and he's he- an alcoholic. He shouldn't be going through the door. He has a problem with alcohol. Yeah. And throughout this whole movie, it's he's allowed to drink as much beer as he wants because beer does nothing. But because it's, it's not alcohol. It's the it's not the hard liquor and stuff. And I'm like, hi, but is that true? I don't know. That doesn't seem right. But John Wayne also tells him they go back to the jail, and John Wayne says, "Okay, that was great, but." They underestimated you, but next time they're gonna they're gonna be ready for you because mm-hmm. they know that you can shoot, and so you know it's not be, gonna be as easy next time. Well, Colorado comes in. I don't know what happens there because I didn't write anything. Well, else Colorado there. comes in because he he wanted in on it because his boss was dead, and and so he felt that he owed it, and so then he yes. comes and and John Wayne doesn't want his help. And then he come when he's coming into this scene that you're talking about, he's got all of his bosses, uh, his gun and all of his like documents and his money and stuff, you know, like his business affairs, basically. His Yeah, his last effects. Mm-hmm. And so he had taken out the money that he owed him, that Wheeler owed to Colorado, and then dude says well i you know did he did you pay everyone else like you know did he owe anyone else and so then colorado takes the money back and puts it in and and dudes and not dude uh john wayne says you know i gotta wait for a court order before i can divvy this stuff up right and so he's like all right well now we're back at the hotel angie's in the lobby And she is actually apologizing to the sheriff, although the sheriff needs to apologize to her for falsely accusing her. But she apologizes because she didn't know all the trouble he was in. And so they have drinks. Um, And so she asks, how does a man get to be a sheriff? But she does it. It it is annoying that when you think of like, yeah, this is all her character is. But by God, Angie Dickinson is selling the shit out of this role. Yes, she is. Because you're like, I know that she's just the girl and she's just there to do this and this and it's real dumb and I'm I'm angered by it. But she is very charming. Yeah, she does a great job in the role. Yeah, that wasn't, that was written on the surface. Uh, and then he says, how does a girl get herself on a handbill? So um, the sheriff says he'll sleep in the jail 
but he doesn't. But he does say to her, I know the sheriff who did these handbills, and I'll get them called in. I'll well, write a letter. I, yeah. I, and anybody who has these handbills is going to then th put them in the shredder? Well, yeah. Well, well, they didn't have a shredder. But she, well, it's the Old West. So she was leaving on the stagecoach in the morning. And the oh, the thing was is that he was supposed to stay. They wanted him to stay at the jail because he's the sheriff. And that means he's got a target on his head for the old uh, Nathan dude. And he's like, no, I'm going to stay at the hotel. Nobody needs to worry about me. I'll be fine. I'm a light sleeper. And he's basically telling like her, like, you need to get out of here and go. And she says, but I have all these handbills. Everybody, everywhere I go, everybody's going to be thinking that I'm this woman, this woman with the feathers. And like, you know, how, how am I supposed to live like this with all these sheriffs down my throat? And so then. John Wayne's like, well, I'll write a letter. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you got to write a letter, put it on the Pony Express to the judge. Then he's got to write all these different letters, send them to all these different sheriffs. In the meantime, this lady's got to live her life. He did, however, say, you know, you could ditch the feathers. <laughs> That's all you have to do. It is practical. And she goes, oh, no, 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 no. You are not taking my style away from me. <laughs> that is my signature. <gasps> I've said too much. <laughs> okay. Well, it's sunrise. And, you know, the sheriff, I'm going, okay, so the sheriff is putting everybody at the hotel at risk <laughs> rather than sleeping in the jail. But he had told Consuelo to. No, he told wake... Carlos to wake him first okay, thing. At, at, at No, at first light. He's like, Carlos, light. wake me up at first light. And he's like, see, si, senor. I w that wasn't me. That's seriously Carlos's character. It seriously is. And, and, and we will get to it in Bad Reheatables. But so he gets up and it's past sunrise and he's mad. And Carlos goes, hey, the girl with the feathers told me not to wake you. But she sat outside your door all night. Oh. So he goes to feathers and... Um, to say, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Blah, blah, blah. The stage leaves in an hour. You need to be on the stage. More banter. And then he goes out the door and he goes, oh, a lot of people in town today. At this point, dude is standing outside of town making anybody who comes into town leave their guns on the fence. Yeah, look at that gun control. <laughs> I know. Uh, Works like, for me. You need to put the it, guns there. You need to put the guns there. And they do it. Yeah. At which point, six Burdettes ride into town. And they they have a talk, but they hang their guns on the well, fence. Because the dude shoots the reins, shoots one of the reins off of one of the guys, you know, with a hothead. Shoots the reins off as a, hey, you want to step? Because I can dance all night. And that cools everyone down. They're like, all right, this guy, he he is sober now. He is not the drunk that we knew before. We will abide. And, uh, yeah, the dude abides. <laughs> uh, Angie, did you see he's not drunk anymore? Because he's a lot better looking than what you think you got going on. And at, um, they ride into town. The sheriff greets them. 
He says, I'm here to see my brother. This is the first time I realized it's brother, not father, son. And it has been, an thankfully, hour. an hour. It was a long hour. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we still have an hour and, what, 30 minutes to go? But remember when I talked to you yesterday that I said I wasn't going to finish it? I finished it all last night. Well done. Mm-hmm. I know there was a lot of standing on my part. <laughs> I stood. You know, it didn't need to be as long as it was. We could have cut a lot of the a lot of the just watching them walk through town. Yeah, but I get why. Okay. I I understand. Okay. All right. So, are we on to the POCs? We are on to POC. Okay, so for my count, like I said before, I did based on speaking parts. So we have Carlos, who is the Mexican sidekick and the owner of the hotel, and his wife, Consuelo. So they're two Mexicans. Then a Mexican, uh, yeah, I'll say he's a Mexican guy because he's there. He gives the dude back his horse. He's like, is this your horse? And then we have the undertaker, who is Chinese. And I, okay. he's Asian. I'm going to say that he's Chinese because of the time period and what was going on with like the railroads and stuff. Correct. Um, and then at one point, John Wayne refers to him as the Chinaman, which I was like, so is he really Chinese or is John Wayne just being like really racist? Because right. before I just had Asian guy because I didn't want to assume anything. But right. I feel fairly confident that he was supposed to be Chinese just based on the time period and that. So no, I, wrote I don't mean to be offensive. Okay. I wrote Asian because, you know, I'm so woke. Yes. But I I feel comfortable saying that he was, I don't know if the actor was Chinese, but that he was supposed right. to be Chinese. Portraying a person of Chinese mm-hmm. heritage. And he was the undertaker. So okay, and he so, was making big money this movie. Yeah, he just was. he's just like yeah, all y'all motherfuckers just you know shit on me all you want. I'm making bank and I'm gonna roll out of here. Okay, okay, and uh, so I had a total of thirteen because I did count um, the the guys in the band ah later. Yeah, mm-hmm. I counted the guys in the band, and I counted The Undertaker, and I counted some background people. So I had a total of 13. It, it could have been more, but... But nobody um, with a role as great as Helen Ramirez. Nobody, right. no oh, one with there was any, no Helen Ramirez. No one with it, because Helen Ramirez would not have taken the role that Carlos had taken. No. You know? With, no. There, she she no. was so... I hate to say more prideful because, hey, Carlos was making, you know, the guy that played Carlos, he's making money. He's getting he checks. Is. These are the roles that he's given. And in this movie, he owned a hotel. So that was lovely. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's the comic relief and stuff. So you he can't, you can't relief. look at it just on that level and be like, oh, he's entertaining and stuff. But I always like to point back to it is that you don't have the other side of that coin. Exactly. All you have in this are, is this portrayal of him. And then I guess you do have Helen Ramirez, but that was so few and far between. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. He you was, can enjoy Because he, he was funny. He was very lighthearted and doing his whole shtick and stuff. But 
because representation has just always been lacking that it's it's just it's just like yeah Oh man! Then, then he and Consuelo would get in their room at night and go, "Those motherfuckers!" Still, like this is our land, Consuelo. This is yeah. ours. Yeah. Okay, we are to nerd alert. You've given us some. Mm-hmm. I have a lot more. Okay. Okay. Settle in, everyone. Okay. Per Todd McCarthy's bio on Howard Hawks, called Howard Hawks, the Silver Fox of Hollywood. Oh, I already said this. B.H. Campbell was the eldest daughter, Barbara, and McCampbell was her married name. Um, oh, I didn't write down the British film critic. Huh. There was a British film critic, and he ranked it as his top film of all time, and he also ah. wrote a 2003 book on it. Ah. Like He was like, this was his favorite movie of all. Like, Citizen Kane, sit down. Rio Bravo. Is the greatest movie of all time. There are a lot of people who really like this movie. It has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, which makes me now question Rotten Tomatoes a lot. Well, you always should have been questioning Rotten Tomatoes. I've said that a thousand times to you before. That it's not an accurate depiction. Pauline Kael, the famous uh, film critic, called the film, quote, silly but with zest. There are some fine action sequences and performers seem to be enjoying their roles, which I agree with. Okay. You know, you kind of say that when there's not a lot of grit to talk about, right? People enjoyed their roles. Yes. Well, it is a hangout. The National Film Preserve. So I found the National Film Preserve article by Michael Schlesinger. And he said... He's developed what he calls a micro-genre of film called a testament film. And this is a film that is made late in a director's career. And he gathers up like a favorite plot. He gathers up favorite characters, themes, personal ties. And he usually comes... Sort of like Quentin Tarantino in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well, yeah, let me finish. So he, there's this feeling that they're getting older and that time's slipping. Some of them may have had like flops before. So there's different examples like Hitchcock, North by Northwest, Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments, uh, John Ford's The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. And so for Hawk, he always loved the relationship of characters because he went, this, the article guy, Michael, went back and noted that in The Big Sleep, it's basically just about the characters because there's a whole character that gets killed and nobody even knows who killed him. Right. And the strong but vulnerable hero, the tough and tough-talking woman, flawed character needing redemption, comic relief sidekick. So these are all things that fit into Rio Bravo. And then there's also Wayne's, John Wayne's character's flaw is that he needed help at every turn from the people he felt weren't up to it. As opposed to in High Noon when the sheriff needed help and he was going around begging everybody for it. Right. In this, they're like, oh, he's actually... He actually has all the help that he needs, but he's just very selective, which I feel is like it says a lot about the their world view 
and it makes sense with their politics and stuff of like you're offering to help me but you're not worthy of helping right me. right um and then so then i don't know if you noticed this ma but john wayne is always carrying a rifle mm-hmm. he's always no carrying that mm-hmm. he has a handgun on him but mm-hmm. in his hand is always the rifle and it made me think about gun culture in America and like is, is this like does this have to do with it because I I know that it's the old west and so people had guns in the old west because they needed them they needed them for protection um they needed them to for kill food, those rattlesnakes kill rattlesnakes but also for food you know to get their food yeah. and you know it's the wild west it's untamed land so they right. needed something to feel protective of but i just thought it was like man the guy he always has his rifle in his hand but then also i guess the whole movie he is under siege but then it made me think of you know, because there's been a lot of talk of, you know, obviously the gun culture in America and how we have all of these shootings and everything. And I was like, but, you know, in the Old West, they had a bunch of guns. So it made me think of Australia because, you know, Australia, they had, it seemed very similar. You know, you had a bunch of Europeans going to this wild land and they would all need to have guns. So... You know what I mean? Like a, a guns yeah. and, and all of that. So then I had to look up, well, what, like, what are Australia's gun? Like, do they have gun laws? Like, what is their deal? Uh-huh. So I looked it up. And so in Australia, because, you know, they're, the reason I did was because they're coming from a similar place with like the background and how it's the old West and you needed them. And then, how, well, how did they, have they dealt with it now in the modern era? So right. they have a firearm license and in order to have a gun, you need to have a firearm license to process or use a firearm and license holders must demonstrate genuine reason, which does not include self-defense. I thought that was interesting. Oh. And all firearms are registered by a serial number to the owner and the owner must have a license. And there's a whole lot more on the history of Australia's guns and, and all that. God, you go down but, some rabbit holes. Well, just because I was just like, well, what's Australia? Like, I don't, is it that I'm just American and I'm just like focused on America and that's why I'm not hearing about all this gun violence going on in Australia? Because it just seems like they had an Old West and we had a, you know, it, it just like the old West in Australia, because I'm thinking like, there are crazy animals in Australia and stuff. So, Some really crazy. Right. Ones. So I'm thinking like you need to be strapped and pack in and, and all that kind of thing. So I was just like, well, you know, what's the difference? And I guess, you know, they had a massacre in 1996 where 35 people were killed and 23 people were wounded. And that's when they were like, enough is enough. And that's when they put into this whole gun license thing. So I was they, just like, they had oh. one massacre. It, well, that was their big one. They had like a couple, but in all the other ones, it was always like one or two people got killed. I was like, oh, Whoa. you just had the one, and then you're like, you know what? This is what we're yeah, doing. Yeah, we're gonna stop this shit. But I guess they, you know, 
I don't want to put it all at John Wayne's feet, but I just, I, 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 maybe that's also what leans into my not being a huge fan of John mm-hmm. Wayne. Cause it's just, he's, here's this hero and he always has a gun on him. Always has this rifle. Yeah. And he, and in the movie, and maybe it's me coming at it from where I come from, where I'm not a big gun person. I know the re- I'm not saying he doesn't need to have it or anything because it is the old West. And specifically he is in this movie under danger. Like he has a target on his head, but just how he just has it with them. The, the whole just care. Like he's carrying it around like a kid carries around a little kid carries around a security blanket. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, and, and just like puts it down. And he, when he picks it up, it's like pointing at people and stuff. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, whoa, where are you pointing the gun? And he always keeps it cocked. So I'm like, that's, this isn't. No. Yeah. I, am I the only one who see? And this is 1959. By this time, John Wayne has been a John Wayne thing. And I just wonder how much of like, you know, the separate paths like Australia didn't have I mean they did have John Wayne but I don't it wasn't like he was Australian like John Wayne is American he's the he's the man yeah good and bad yeah yeah so that was <laughs> my nerd alert that hole that I went down wah 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 <laughs> okay we are two reheatables my first worst was John Wayne saying that women talk too much. <laughs> Evidently, I mean, Angie Dickinson, who probably hasn't ever seen a good look at herself, has is just smitten by John Wayne's presence with the gun in his hand. Um, and so she has this nervous talk going on. But the fact that there is a phrase of women talk too much, and then she continues it through her dialogue later in the movie, I know I'm talking too much. Yeah, you know, fuck that. It is a tough break, especially him saying it. But she does talk a lot in this movie. She does. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be sexual tension. Yeah, it's supposed to be Howard Hawks is is trying to screwball in his girl Friday into this movie. Yeah. And on that theme, not just Angie Dickens, there was just too much dialogue. There was too much dialogue. That, okay, you're going to say Howard... he talks too much? What about the dude? The dude spills, I mean, the dude talks way too much. Yeah, that, that that's Howard Hawks. That's what he did his girl Friday. Remember all the dialogue in that? But it's yeah. fast, fast, fast. And and the big sleep. and ta- Like, he's a very verbose director. Okay. I felt the kisses between Angie and John... That they were, um, I feel like Angie did her best, <laughs> the best she could do, but okay. And then I wrote slow S dash L dash O dash W. Yeah. There are places where it's very slow. Mm-hmm. And the stereotypical Hispanic person. 
Yeah, they're just everyone's at the service of the white man. And oh, um, cannot. I cannot wait to service the white man. I mean, I mean, what can I do for you that I haven't even thought that I could do for you yet? Please let me serve you. Mm-hmm. So you will at least, you know, crack half a smile. It's tough because he is a business owner in hospitality. <laughs> so you do, that is how you want your hospitality to work. But it is. Yeah. The customer is always like, right. Uh... But, okay, those were my worst all right, my worst John Wayne action hero? Really? He couldn't even walk down the street. Well, okay. He I mean, sashayed. he's got that strut thing going on. That's not a strut, Ma. I believe, hot take, <laughs> John Wayne sachets. That was the thing that I was first struck by, was how <gasps> thin. John Wayne was gay. Ran out of time to to look that up, but I that is not something that these ears have not heard, and I don't know from where. So you know, they everyone in old Hollywood was gay apparently, but I I was struck by how thin his legs were, and how he always kind of leaned to one side. I have you noticed that he had very if you thin type legs. In John Wayne Gay into <laughs> Google, you get John Wayne Gacy. I'm not. I don't want John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I I don't know, but he definitely didn't have, uh, uh like as as mask. I thought. I just thought like, yeah, he's John Wayne. That he was gonna have just a more masculine presence especially in his lower i found like his upper body he's got the shoulders and stuff but his low no squats john wayne never thought to work out the legs oh he never worked out at all i mean he just very scrawny little legs and they were always he was always had this weird lean and then he has this weird sachet also where's the flood his pants were always rolled up really high yeah and yeah so specifically, when he burst into the barn, I laughed out loud. Like, what? <laughs> what are you doing, 52-year-old John Wayne? Man, you look every bit of 52. Meanwhile, Brad Pitt is on a roof taking it off his shirt, and he's ripped at, like, 50-whatever. Let's just, yeah, pause like, for a moment. I did not buy him... <laughs> Anytime he had to do anything physical in this movie, I'm like, oh, man. You are not Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're just the, you just stand there and you're just the symbol of of that. But when you actually move, it's very much like how in The Irishman when you know how De Niro's supposed to be younger, but he still kind of walks like a seventy year old man, even when he's supposed to be like forty. It was just like that to me, where I'm just like you, you do not yeah okay okay so that's a whole nother rabbit hole right and then i have you know the rifle in his hand the whole time because it just made me think like is this part of the problem is this where it all came like not all came from but just reinforcing and stuff that and then john wayne had a wedding ring on the whole time i noticed that in the movie i'm like wait he's married but no he just in real life he was married and he just 
either forgot to take it off the entire film or just was like, nah, I'm going to leave it Nobody ever noticed that. I, I don't know. Nobody cared. Right. That's where I am. Ain't nobody care about that. Oh, okay. So best. Are we to best? Mm-hmm. Okay. My best reheatable is Lee Brackett was a female screenwriter. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's huge. <laughs> yeah. Now, another one toward, toward the very end of the film, there is Angie Dickinson in the hotel talking to John Wayne with her, you know, she's so skitterish because she's so in love with him. She had a popped collar. <laughs> Did you notice her popped collar? I don't think I noticed her popped collar. Yeah, her rust blouse had a popped collar. Representing the popped collars. I I laughed and wrote it down knowing that you would find that amusing. That is funny. Those were my positives. Oh, I got a couple more. Okay, give them to me. Okay, the first five minutes of this film, there's no dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it sets up everything that we need to know. When I was in school, they always taught us, show, don't tell. Film is a visual medium. If you can show something happening, show it, don't tell it. I like that. And so I really liked the first five minutes of this. I was like, oh man, this is awesome. And then it was funny, because you know when I'm reading different articles and looking at Howard Hawks's different movies. He was a very verbose filmmaker. The words, he liked a lot of words, like characters saying a lot of things. And so I thought it was funny that the first five minutes of this movie, he's just like, there's, there's going to be no words. I'm just going to mm. do all silent. I'm like, Oh, go ahead. And when they're in the barn after John Wayne's ridiculous, action scene bursting into it but it was cool because they cut out all of the sound and it was Mm -hmm. like all the score went out and it was silent so that part did actually build tension but then it just reminded me more of how wow high noon was like this the entire film yeah um okay so my good reheatables on this is that i'm thinking of 1959 even though it's a reheatable, but I, I understand, I understand why this movie is as long as it is and why it exists. So it's 1959. This movie was made because it's got everything for everyone in the family. For dad, you've got John Wayne and blowups. For mom, you've got Dean Martin, and they just they're like throw in a bit of a screwball com- romantic comedy with feathers and John Wayne. The, the moms will love it. For the teenage daughter, you got Ricky Nelson. And for the young son, you got the blow em ups and, you know, some gunfights. So people would just go to this movie and it's just, it's just a hangout. It's kind of like people were saying, I just find it really interesting because in this day and age of streaming, most people sit down and they watch a show and they just stream They're like, I want the next one. I want the next one. And before they know it, two hours and 20 minutes has passed because they've been in a show and they're just hanging out with these people. They're hanging out in this world and they just like it. And I think that's what this movie is. It's just you're hanging out with John Wayne, Dean Martin, Ricky Nelson, and Angie Dickinson. 
you're just hanging out with them and just watching what they do. And you don't, they're, they're not in a, in a hurry to get anywhere, but that's what you're doing. And I, I thought that that's also why I like the Irishman so much because it's Martin Scorsese directing his, his guys doing what they're doing. And I'm like, I'll, I'll watch three episodes of the crown back to back. Yeah. I'll, you know, like people do that. So because you like hanging out with Olivia Colman and being the queen and the Royal family and all of that. So I just, it's not, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to hate it. Once I realized what it was, I'm like, this is just a hang. This is people hanging out with movie stars, watching movie stars be movie stars. Same with, that's why I liked um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm just hanging out with Brad Pitt and LCD. It's, it's fun. And Margot Robbie. And Margot Robbie. Um, okay. At the beginning of the movie... I just thought it was interesting because, again, the whole high noon comparison, how the sheriff, he can't get any any help from anybody. John Wayne goes in to uh, to arrest the guy. And the whole reason that he has to go to the next saloon to arrest him is because the dude, when he's going to arrest the guy that shoots Kurt Russell's dad, the dude picks up a, a, a stick, a piece of lumber, and knocks out John Wayne. And then when the dude goes to attack, because so John Wayne's laid out on the floor, and when the dude goes to attack the the dick who shot him, who shot the guy and, like, threw the thing in the spittoon, that's when all of the townspeople, they hold him. I just thought it was pretty hilarious. Why didn't they stop the dude from busting the sheriff in the head? Yeah. Because they were for the Burdettes. Yeah, I guess. I guess, yeah. Huh. Well, there, there you have it. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Is that the end of your reheatables? That's the end of my reheatable. And Ricky and Nelson. MVPs. I think you're going to go with Ricky Nelson. I'm going with Angie Dickens. You know what? I'm going with Dean Martin as my MVP. Okay. I really enjoy Ricky Nelson, but yeah. He's no MVP. He's no MVP because his, his acting chops just aren't there. He's got great screen persona and stuff and, and I, I'm like, man, he is just great to look at. Um, but the, the, I feel the real MVP is Ricky Martin. Is Ricky Martin? It's Dean Martin. Dean Martin. He does all the heavy lifting. He's got the kind of the best storyline in this because he's an mm-hmm. alcoholic and he's like sobering up and all of that. And he's the reason I was able to hang because I'm like, oh, all right, I'll hang out with Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin. With Dean, Dean Martin. Martin. <laughs> I'll hang out with Dean Martin. He he yeah, he's what got me through. If his okay. character had died halfway through, it would have been Snoozeville for me. Yeah. I've been like, what 
Dean Martin's dead. <laughs> the dude is dead. I'm I out. kept waiting for him to die, though. Like in the gunfight, you know, at the end, it was like he's going to go after that gun. Somebody's going to kill him. I really thought he was going to die. Nah, me no die. Okay. Okay. So your MVP was Dean. Mm -hmm. Recasting. Who was your MVP? Uh, Angie. Oh, okay. All right. Recasting. I just had one cast. Me too, because I wasn't, my heart wasn't in it. It's just, it's hard to, to think of like, well, who's, who's John Wayne now? Um, and, and I didn't go with a John Wayne. I went with a strong, a strong person rather than a John Wayne. Because, I mean, if you look up, was John Wayne gay? Then you get into penis size. And that's a really sad <laughs> story if you look into that. Because that was not looking favorably upon yeah, but he had, a, he had an affair with, like, all these women, like Marlena Dietrich and stuff. But I guess Yeah, and that Marlena, one evidently broke his heart, but... Um, I guess she kind of... It, Marlena, it was like, who didn't Marlena Dietrich sleep with? Men and women. I'm going... She probably... After him, she went to women. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up yourselves, people, because it's not, it's not good on the... the Okay, my recasting. <laughs> so I went with, well, first, okay, so I did the Sheriff, the Dude, and the Burdett Brothers. Oh, you did a lot. Well, just because I went the easy route with the Burdett Brothers. Oh, the Francos? <laughs> <laughs> I did not, but I went with the Wayans. The uh, the the brother who was the cattle baron is Keenan Ivory, of course, and Joe is Marlon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! It amused me because I was tired. Mm -hmm. So my dude, my Dean Martin, I went with Giancarlo Esposito. Ah, well he. He would be. He would act the hell out of that. <laughs> he certainly would. Because he could be the charming dude and the and the DT dude. Mm -hmm. Okay, so my sheriff, I went with Dennis Haysbert. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I thought, I actually, I would probably like it a lot more with him being the sheriff. And who was your Colorado? Did you have one? I didn't. Oh, and then who was your feathers? I didn't. Oh, okay. All right. So you ready for mine? I am. All right. So as the sheriff, John T. Chance, I have Ron Perlman. Okay. Do you know who that is? I do indeed. Oh. He was the beast in Beauty and the Beast, babe. He was also in time. Sons of Anarchy. It's yes. funny because I didn't know him as Beauty and the Beast because I remember you loving that show with Linda yeah, Hamilton. I did like that show. <laughs> And I remember as a as a little kid being like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get why she likes this show. <laughs> and then I got to be an adult looking back and I'm like, I've never seen this show, but I'm still like, hi. Yeah, I still don't get I it. Don't I get still it. don't. That's okay. Yeah. I, okay. The dude I have as, because, you know, it's Dean Martin. So, you know, there were three songs in this. He's a crooner. 
I fast forwarded through the song. Wayne Brady. Oh. He would be a great dude. The masked singer. Yeah. He could totally do that. Okay, for my so for my my Colorado, the obvious pick. Okay, you're gonna have to bear with me because I had these three that I went through. The okay. obvious pick that I was like, no, because I, 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 I just, he, it's just, he, I don't think that he would do it. Although if you were wanting to be like, okay, it's the guy who's Ricky Nelson now and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, it's Justin Bieber. But yeah, yeah. I, I just, he, yeah, I was just like, eh, no. So then he, it's not, ex- I mean, honestly, he's like too old now. It's the, you have to be, it has to be the crest. Like this has to be the, like it, the white hot spotlight is on this person. So I don't know any of their names, but it would be, I feel like it would be a guy from the BTS boy band, the Korean group BTS, because they're huge with the kids right now. Mm Mm-hmm. But then when I was doing dishes, so I wrote that down. But then I was like, you know what? No. Actually, the most interesting person who should be Colorado, who I actually don't sleep on, because I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they ended up being a fantastic actress. Billie Eilish. Oh, I like that one. The best of your three choices. I, like, I think Colorado should be Billie Eilish because she like is white hot right now. Yes. Super young. Yep. I'm like, hmm, okay. And then for Feathers, because then also we mentioned how everybody in this except for John Wayne was a TV star, so I kind of kept it to TV. Okay. So for Feathers, I went with Alexis... De, De Valos, who is Help the leading lady from The Man in the High Castle. Oh, I like her so much. I was like, you know what? I think she could do feathers. It's not yeah. a lot, but she could do a lot with a little. Right. Well, she did. <laughs> she has, as nice she castle. has been. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. I like it. Tasty Nuggets. I have the sets were seven eighth scale mm-hmm. to make the actors look larger. I had that as well. Gary Cooper said it was so phony nobody believes it. <laughs> yeah, I when it comes down to high noon versus Rio Bravo, I'm like, yeah, high noon. Yeah. I don't know what world these guys are living in, but high noon seemed way more realistic. Oh yeah. So Ricky Nelson had his 18th birthday, evidently, when this started, the filming of this started. And John Wayne and Dean Martin gave him 300 pounds sack of steer manure that they threw him in. Oh. To like, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, hazing, exactly. So we've talked about it before. John Wayne was 51 and Angie Dickinson was 26. Was she 26 or 27? I had 26. Oh, okay. 
for Colorado, they wanted Elvis to play the part, but um, the person, the colonel in charge of his affairs, wanted too much money, and they wanted him to have top billing over John. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, am I gonna have to? I'm not gonna completely rethink my Elvis feelings, but I do <laughs> like that. I like that too. Man, the caucasity Elvis. <laughs> caucasity. <laughs> now they said uh, John Wayne wore a dumpy hat in this, but the brim of the hat, when it was turned up, he was being a softer character, and it when it was turned down, he was being a hard ass character. Well, that hat. This is the last movie where John Wayne wears that hat, and that is the hat that he wore in the 1939 film Stagecoach. Oh, okay. Which is pretty what, much what made John Wayne John Wayne. Wow. Okay. Well, there were films after this, El Dorado and Rio Lobo, and evidently they were the same plot as Rio Bravo. Bravo. I always want to say Rio Grande. No, Rio brought well that John Wayne was in Rio Grande. Now, well, it sorry in the remake uh, El Dorado. That's with John Wayne, and then Robert Mitchum is the Dean Martin character, and James Caan oh, wow. is the Ricky Nelson character. Who who is the Ricky Nelson character? James Caan. Wow. Okay. Mm. Mm. Don't need to see that. Evidently, aforementioned Quentin Tarantino used to show this to all the girls he was interested in. And if they didn't like it, he said, that's the end. We're not going to have a relationship. So, like, so Margaret Cho really liked it? Like, ouch. Yeah, I'm not having a relationship with Quentin Tarantino. I would, I guess maybe I could have because I would be like, I get why people would like it. But I would you want it. a relationship with Quentin Tarantino? No, he's not my type. No, thank you. Okay, so evidently, uh, Montgomery Clift was considered for the dude, for the oh. part of the dude. But as a bisexual Democrat, he turned it down because he would not work with John Wayne. Well, was he wasn't bisexual at the time, was he? I mean, like I know he w was at the time, but like was what? that known? Well, it was known later. It he turned it down, and then later it became oh, because he was bisexual and a Democrat, he wasn't going to work with this idiot. Yeah, because John Wayne was. I mean, John Wayne was like these. He's the. I mean, he was like the guy, you know, telling people to pull up their pants. You know, he's that guy. He was that guy. He's that guy. Okay. These are the people who were considered to play dude. James Cagney. Hmm. John Cassavetes. <laughs> that would have been a very intense dude. <laughs> Rod Steiger. Huh. Tony Curtis. I could see Tony Curtis do it. But it would have been a, it would have been too much. But it would have yeah. been hilarious to see Tony Curtis with John Wayne. Because that's he the might... thing. Because like, Dean, Dean Martin could, I feel like he, Dean Martin's just the kind of guy who can just get along with anyone. 
He just feels like, what vibe are you on? And he's Truth like, be told, if Dean Martin had a drink, he could get along. Yeah, with him so he could get along with John. He might not like John Wayne or agree with John Wayne, but he could he could get along. He would know what enough to be like. I can get along with him. Right, right. I can do this until I can get away from it. Yeah, I don't Carrie, see Tony Carrie Grant. Oh, Curtis is that way. Carrie Grant. <laughs> Henry Fonda. I feel like Henry Fonda would just take the rifle away from him and become the sheriff. Yeah, he would just... <laughs> like, if Glenn, you can't show any weakness... Glenn Ford. I don't know I don't, who Glenn Ford is. Yeah, that's okay. William Holden. We did William Holden. Burt Lancaster. Spencer Tracy. As the dude? That, yes. was, that was too much real life for Spencer Tracy. It's like, what? Robert Mitchum, who was then the dude in El Dorado, you yeah. said, right? And um, they talked to Frank Sinatra about it. Oh, so Dean Martin beat out Frank Sinatra? Evidently. Wow. And my last one was um, the new star of the year at the Golden Globes was through, from this film, Angie Dickinson. Mm -hmm. Okay, those are my... Tasty nuggets. Okay, so when the guy, that ward guy who played the stagecoach dude, ah, stagecoach person, not dude, when he died in 1960, he left John Wayne the shotgun that Wayne had accidentally used to shoot him. <laughs> I was like, ha, ah, guns in America. <laughs> I mean, John Wayne... Truly accidentally shot him John, with that gun? Apparently John Wayne accidentally shot him with a shotgun that was his. And when he died in his will, he's like, here, take the shotgun you used to accidentally shoot me. And everyone's like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, you son of a bitch, I miss you. And then they sang old Danny boy. So that was a Dick Cheney moment? <laughs> I think so. I, there was just a, there's, What? It just said that. It was, that was in Wikipedia, so who knows if it's true or not. It's got to be true. But I, mean, I had to write it down. because yes, I was I love it. As I mentioned before, you know, he's very willy-nilly with the shotgun yes. and his rifle in it. It's and I was true. like, I completely believe that John... How many people has John Wayne accidentally shot is a question. And another question... How many people has he shot on purpose? <laughs> and then later <laughs> claimed it was an accident. Exactly. Yeah. I was just like, I, I just believed it. I just, I just didn't really feel that there was a, a ton of respect for the firearm. Right. All right. I don't feel like John Wayne had a lot of respect for anything, but okay. Except himself. I mean, yeah, yeah. It would be interesting to, I am going to pick Stagecoach because I remember watching that in college and that there was a lot of stuff pointed out in that. And it is okay. early John Wayne, so it would be interesting to see. Because this yeah. is full-blown movie star John Wayne we're seeing. Right. Right, because he was pretty much at the end of his career. And this came much like Gary Cooper in High Noon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um. The Western Writers of America chose My Rifle, My Pony, and Me as a top Western song of all time. 
And wow. it had previously appeared before in the film Red River. Okay. I think uh, as as I said before, I fast forwarded through the musical. Right. So we already mentioned that it was a response to High Noon because no self-respecting lawman would go around showing fear and asking for help. And John Wayne never shows fear, and he only accepts help from capable people once they have proved their capable ability to him. So the song had three sound had three songs on the soundtrack because you know you have Ricky Nelson and Dean Martin so you had the pony song you had get along oh get along home Cindy and then the end credits Dean Martin sings Rio Bravo um the feathers the Angie Dickinson some of her dialogue was inspired by Slim that was Lauren Bacall's character and to have and have not mm. um, yeah there was some yeah I, I saw that I forget and what the line of dialogue was. Howard Hawks did he didn't want Ricky Nelson in the film because he thought that he was a lightweight. Mm-hmm. And he gave him as few lines as possible. And which was odd because he was a third billing. So he, but he was like, no, no, no. But then later on, because the movie was a wild success, Howard Hawks was like, yeah, you know, having him on the poster probably got us about $2 million at the box mm-hmm. office. As well as return customers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a wise move. Yeah. So there you have it. Well, there you have it. That is Rio Bravo. <laughs> yes, Rio Bravo. Not my fave. Not my fave, but I get it. It seems like it's it's just a hang. You just put it on. Yeah, yeah. Hang out with it. Because Dean Martin does make it fun. Yeah, it's just and fun. Ricky, Ricky uh, what's his name, does make it fun to look at as well as Angie. And um, so, okay, so there's that. So there's that. Now, it's my understanding great listeners that next week is our what 100th episode i know that our listeners have listened to all 99 of these and are waiting with bated breath what could we possibly do for our 100th episode i feel like there's not a film big enough But we we did discuss. Mm -hmm. And not only are we doing a film that we just enjoy as a family, Mm -hmm. we are having the Bush family on the podcast, if we can make it work. It is going to be literally gone with the Bushes. All of the Bushes. Yes. If Poppy decides to join us. But Christine has already been doing her research. Already. Reluctantly dragging Adam with her. Dragging him. So we think if we can work out the logistics, next week we're going to have... Me. Not just you, Aaron. Christine. Ma. Adam. And maybe the Poppy. And maybe the puppy making a, an appearance. 
to do what film, Aaron? What film does our family enjoy? We enjoyed this film prior to 2001. Yes. This would be 1960, the original Ocean's Eleven. Now, when I've talked about this with colleagues of mine, they didn't even know there was an original. I can't even believe it. I know. So we are again in the educating business. The original Ocean's Eleven with the Rat Pack. It was the Rat Pack. That's we're why have some more Dean Martin. Exactly. And Angie Dickinson. And more Angie. That's why when it was announced that they were going to redo it, and it, it was like, great, well, who are you going to get? Because the original had the Rat Pack in it. And they're like, don't worry. We got you, Bush family. We're going to have um, a guy, maybe you've heard of George Clooney, and maybe you've heard of Brad Pitt. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> you guys I'm understand in. what Ocean's Eleven is. Now, the hard part is going to be recasting. Well, I don't even know if I'm going to do it because it has been recast. And it's <laughs> also been recast with females. With females, exactly. And and really well done. So we'll see. You know, I'll see that it has not been recast with a black cast. Maybe we'll do a Hamilton cast. <laughs> we'll see. That we might even bring in some people who have already been recast. Who knows? Well, I'm just thinking off the dome. If you ha- if you're doing a black cast of Ocean's Eleven, there's only one Danny Ocean. Yeah, I agree. Denzel Washington. Oh, I was going with Idris. No, are you're talking about because it has to be the biggest star. Oh my gosh. It, if you're going, you're going to do an Ocean's Eleven. I don't care that Denzel Washington is 70 years old. It's still Denzel. He's, he's still not Denzel. 70. I is know. he 70? No, but he's in his 60s. <gasps> oh, watch out. Pull your pants up. Um. Well, we'll see because I was, I have already been thinking about this and I was thinking about his son. What? Yes, his son would be in the cast, but the leader of the group? You could have Idris Elba as the, you know, the Dean Martin character. Yeah. Right. right. But like the head honcho? I don't know. So you'll just have to, you'll just have to listen in and see what we do with it, people. (laughs) It might be the end of the family. (laughs) It might be the end of Gone with the Bushes, but it's been a good run. (laughs) So we hope you join us next week for our 100 hundredth episode that's just crazy i know and we thank each and every one of our listeners for listening well aaron yes there you go oh there you go i was ready for the bye-bye bye-bye